You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. This is Roxanne Solon and your co-host this morning and sitting next to... Wayne Sanders, uh, co-hosting, learning from Roxanne. (laughs) Uh, Great teacher, by the way. Uh, we are um, really inspired this morning, and like I said, I'm I'm surprised. I, I wasn't expecting that interview to be so energetic, and he just had such a zeal for, for the ministry of being a physician. <laughs> well, he did, and we've all been to doctors any number of times, and he has a different approach. He, he brings faith into it, and he does it in such a way where it's not intrusive, uh, but he makes it part of the healing process, both physically and and in, you know, the what was the term he was spiritually uh, wounds, yeah, the spiritual yeah. wounds, yeah. Uh, uh, tremendous, tremendous. That that yes, that was a home run, Roxanne. I I mm. did not expect uh, that kind of interview, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be thinking about that one for a while, and I hope others will as well. And now we have another guest here on the line, um, Cameo Anders. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're uh, looking forward to hearing a little bit about you. And so why don't you just start by giving us an introduction, letting us know what it is that you do, what are you passionate about, and, and we'll ask you a little bit about your faith, too. Okay, perfect. Um, so I'm an attorney and a, I'll call myself a bioethicist. I have a master's in theology with a certification in bioethics from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Um, and then I sit on a couple ethics boards and just get to use my Catholic faith, my ethics, um, my law, kind of mush them all together and hopefully um, help people through difficult situations. And you're calling us from Sioux Falls? I am. Yep, I'm here in Sioux Falls. Um, my my day job is I'm a in-house council director of estate planning for our Catholic Community Foundation. Um, so I get to help people with the charitable piece of their estate plan, um, which is one beautiful way to pass on your faith to your kids, um, your loved ones, um, and really to, to make a nice gift to those institutions that have nurtured your own faith um so yeah we just got done talking to a physician who uh is 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 very intent on bringing christ to his patients and and i know that you also work in an area that can be a point of vulnerability for families um helping them in in you know later years of their life and accompanying loved ones at the bedside does the church give us teachings on how to do this? Um, I, I know it's a, a place where we can feel powerless. Um, what, what, what do you do in that? How do you enter into that? And what have you learned about this time of life that people are especially needy and looking for hope? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the church gives us so many beautiful and genius teachings um, on everything that we need. So it's it's fun to say that there's this, uh, letter that just came out in 2020, Samaritanus Bonus, from the Congregation of Doctrine of the Faith. Um, and it it addresses exactly that question. Um, so if we think for a minute of Christ at his, you know, end of his life on the cross, um, and then we think of Mary, 
remaining next to him. And that letter tells us, you know, our job is to be merry to those we love. Um, it's to remain and love and show that intimacy. Um, and, and the Church tells us it's that intimacy that gave Christ, um, allowed him to go through those moments that seemed meaningless. So that's really a powerful message to send, I think, that as we sit at the bedside of our loved ones who may be passing away, or even as we might be at the end of our life ourselves, um, that's a really ripe moment to show God's love, even just by remaining with the person. And then, of course, there's um, there's lots of other you know, sort of technical pieces to add to it. But I think if listeners walk away with nothing else, there's a there's a beauty in just showing God's love to the person at the bedside by remaining there with them, holding their hand, praying with them. Camille, good morning, Wayne Sanders. Um, in, in reading over your bio and going back to personal experiences with creating an end-of-life document where just that that term alone, I remember it was a cold process, and okay, what do you want, Mom? What don't you want? You know, make sure mm-hmm. we think it's in line with the Catholic Church. We hope that it is. Uh, and then all of a sudden, some years later, that comes into play, and she's laying in the bed, she's in hospice, end of life, and you look at that document, and all of a sudden you've questioned, did I do this right? Is is it is it what the Catholic Church teaches? There was just a it was a very difficult time, um, and and you know terminal sedation, contrary to popular teach, contrary to church teaching. Is there a, there are a lot of people that go through that cameo unless they have someone like you to work with? Yeah, I think, um, so I sit on the ethics committee for uh, one of our hospitals here, and I would say a significant portion of what comes to the ethics committee is that exact struggle. I, I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know what is a good decision. I, you know, the document says um, one thing, but I still am, am struggling with it because Part of the huge struggle is that losing of a loved one, right? So um, I think first and foremost, it's it's important, it's necessary. If anyone doesn't have a health care power of attorney, please go create one. And in that, appoint someone to make decisions for you. Um, that's step one, absolutely necessary, I would say. But then when that person is making those decisions, it's helpful to give them some guidelines so sometimes, and I'll use the term power of attorney um, when you're, you'll hear a lot of advanced directives, um, a lot of different language. Um, so in South Dakota in particular, an advanced directive is either a living will or a power of attorney. And the living will is going to say, I'm going to make these decisions in the future. A power of attorney is going to appoint someone. In my opinion, a power of attorney is more important because we really don't know what decisions we want to make in the future. And that's where we get in trouble with church teaching, I think, is we're, we're making a decision that may or may not be um, consistent with church teaching at, you know, 20 years from now in the sense of I can't really decide if I don't want artificial nutrition and hydration right now unless it's burdensome on me, you know, hopefully far into the future when that decision actually has to go into play. So, 
Cam, you, 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 you've driven right down to the core of what I was getting at. Uh, the advanced directive being a living will had an advanced directive. It was a living will. And then there was a power of attorney. But it was an attorney that put that all together or, or medical paperwork. We never had, a, never had a priest involved to look at that to say, here's what we've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you see it? Is, do, is that something that should be done if, if you are concerned about how what you've done fits into, the, into your, your faith? You know, I think, um, I think it's important to have a Catholic version and whether that's involving a priest, um, there's an excellent resource. The National Catholic Bioethics Center um, is a great place to ask questions. Hey, is this a good thing to put into my power of attorney? Is this not? What kind of decisions should I make? Um, the other thing is, feel free to call me. I know I'm in South Dakota, so I can't speak to you know other state laws, but I would be happy to point um, a person into a direction of, of finding a good, solid Catholic power of attorney. Um, the other, you know, resource, the Church has that Samaritanus bonus letter. It goes through, like, 12 different pieces of Church teaching that are very particular. And so if your power of attorney makes any decisions in there, that Samaritanus bonus letter gives us exactly what the parameters of those decisions could be. It just strikes me. Well, one of the things, Cameo, I'm going back to your image of Mary at the bedside, and, and I just, I think about Mary and how malleable she needed to be and was, and how she just anticipated and watched for the needs around her. And it's such a tender time, and mm-hmm. also a time where people are under duress, as you're kind of, we're kind of getting at here, and they need kind of people to think for them, and yet at the same time, they're very emotional and want to do the right thing. And, and those things can be very challenging to, when they're all colliding with, with, with grief. So mm-hmm. um, how, how does your faith, how, how does that come into play? Like, how, how does your faith direct you in that, other than, you know, other than the the guidance from the church, but your own faith? How has Christ entered into your heart to, to, to help you? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, maybe, you know, let me read this small snippet, because I think it speaks to my heart, and then maybe that would answer your question, too. So this is from that Samaritanus bonus letter. For in this experience of being loved, all of life finds its justification. During his passion, Christ was always sustained by his confident trust in the Father's love, so evident in the hours of the cross, and also in his mother's love. The love of God always makes itself known in the history of men and women, thanks to the love of the one who never deserts us, who remains, despite everything, at our side. So I think that encompasses my faith journey, Um, you know, for for our loved ones, just that that ability to show God's love and to see God's love through them, and especially at the end of life when we're transitioning from this life into eternal life. Natural death is, is really a beautiful thing. It's a necessary thing in order to get to our ultimate goal, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I, I don't know, that that encompasses my faith journey, just the, the beauty of creating humans to show God's love to each other. 
It's so beautiful. And I think the, the part about not being alone is huge. Just for people to remember that they aren't alone and God, their father is with them and gui- will guide them and will bring other people into their life, such as you and others to, to journey with them. We're, we're never alone. He's always with us. So we're going to go to a break here, but we will be back with more Real Presence Live with Cameo Anders talking about end of life planning and other good things to ponder at this time of year. So stay tuned. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. What if you could earn a degree that offers the best of both worlds, an MBA and a master's degree in philosophy? The University of Mary offers one degree that combines world-class business training with a careful study of life's deepest questions through their combined MBA, MA, and philosophy program. By earning one degree in both philosophy and business online, you will rigorously engage the big ideas needed to address professional challenges. Visit catholicprofessional.life. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Thank you for staying with us on Real Presence Live this morning. We are talking and asking questions to Cameo Anders and wondering about what is it like when you're reaching the end of your life and and what are the burdens that people are carrying at that time and it's it's important maybe to kind of think about those things before we reach that point and cameo has some insight she's she's talking to us from sioux falls and she has worked in this area and so cameo tell us a little bit about the insight you've gained in in working with families and and some of the things that they carry in their heart at this kind of tender time of their life yeah thank you um well, so as, as an attorney, I worked in estate planning for 14-plus years, and then now my role has transitioned a bit with the Catholic Community Foundation um, to focus on the charitable gift part of estate planning. 
And so, excuse me, if I think about, you know, my conversations with clients, the biggest impact or on them or the biggest worry, I think, as they're deciding how should I leave my assets, how should I care for my young children, um, is how do I make sure they know how much I love them, how much my faith meant to me, um, and how can I make sure that I pass that faith on to them and, and, and just sort of embrace them even though I'm not there. Um, so there's fun tools, I call them fun, um, that can be used to do that. Is this a good time to kind of go into that yes, a little bit? Yes, yes, please do. Um, so as everyone knows, you would need, as we just discussed, that health care power of attorney and then the financial power of attorney to sort of care for those those assets. Those two take care of things before death if you're ever to lose capacity to make your own decision. But then after death, you know, we hear, oh, well, we need a, li- a will or maybe a trust or there's all types of options. Um but to talk to an attorney about what the best document is for you. But in that document, you want to be sure that you're doing several things. First of all, if you have young children, you need to appoint someone to take care of them. Going back to the image of Christ on the cross, one of his last words was entrusting his mother to someone else. Like how do we entrust you know, our loved ones to someone else? Um, so just being sure that in our document, if needed, we're entrusting our children to somebody. Um, and the other piece is obviously our, our assets. How do we do that? Um, but my work now is in the charitable uh, gift of assets, and there's some really great ways to um, receive tax benefits from making a charitable gift. Obviously, that's a, a good and useful thing. But more importantly, I think... If in your final document you make an impactful statement about the importance of your faith to you, that's going to influence your children even if they've fallen away from the faith. So if in your final document you say something like, I want to be sure that a significant portion goes to priest education or uh, priest retirement or my parish or, um, you know, grief counseling or... Uh, it's it's a great way to continue to think about the beauty of your faith to your loved ones um, when they're gone. So I would just encourage everyone to think about that piece that maybe an attorney wouldn't always bring up. Mm-hmm. How can I pass on my faith? Do you find that loved ones, regardless of where they're at in their faith journey, are are open to that, that they want to honor their loved ones, regardless of where, again, where, where their own faith is at when they see something like that? I think so, because, so, you know, two pieces, the creating the document beforehand, but then the working with the family afterwards to make sure that all the, you know, the probate process or whatever it might be, um, the family really comes together over mom and dad's wishes if they're well spelled out. And so, you know, oftentimes we hear these stories of, of families dividing up, and, and it's mostly, in my experience, because wishes haven't been clearly spelled out. They don't really know what mom and dad wanted. Um, but if there's something in those documents that can unify the family, that can clearly say, 
I want to for, you know, the rest of my life and or and then encourage you during your lifetime to use this chunk of money to uh, support something that was meaningful to us. Um, in my experience, that's, that's really brought siblings together, and it's been a really cool thing to be a part of. Cami, I, as I listen to you talk and I picture the broad base of our audience over 17 stations, I picture two things. One, there are a, there are parents, 65 plus, probably thinking we should get this done and they need to turn to their children to say, look, we got to get this done. On the other side of the coin, there are there are children listening to this that look at their aging parents and say they haven't brought it up we really need to get them to start thinking about it either way i'm sure there are times where it's going to be uncomfortable um you know i guess i i don't necessarily have a question but uh, do you run into that do you have any suggestions can you talk to those points again parents that need to go to their kids and say hey help us with this or kids go to their parents and say, look, Mom and Dad, you're going to turn 70 years old, and I don't think you've got a will or anything that resembles an advanced directive living will, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, healthcare helps us out in this area because every time they go to the doctor, they're going to be asked, do you have an advanced directive? And so it's going to be forefront in their mind. Um, but then, you know, there's uh, there's like a national estate planning day somewhere around Thanksgiving where everyone is encouraged to think about let's plan, you know, for our future. Um, so I, uh, is Thanksgiving a good time to talk about it? It seems weird, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, in the same way of talking about what you're thankful for, hey, mom and dad, we're really thankful for you, for you, for the life that you've given us for the values that you have helped us grow into and, you know, how can we help you make sure that a solid plan is in place so those values continue um, even after your death. So you can just feel the burden, you know, that burden is there. If you have elderly parents, it's there. If you are elderly and, and don't have a plan, it's there. So it won't be the first time bringing it up and now oh yeah i never thought about it before by bringing it up you're helping them relieve a burden that exists um maybe it's one that you know someone doesn't want to look at in the face yet but it's if we can see it as a help to relieve a burden i think that makes that conversation easier to approach it falls in the category of the hard thing is the the right thing is the hard thing the easy thing is the wrong thing and I can picture Thanksgiving table or dinner after dinner would be a good time for that conversation. You know, um, my grandma died at 101, and her parents had died near each other in their 60s. And so she was very aware of the different things that could happen. And she started putting our names um, on the bottoms of things. So growing up, we would like race to see, oh, who's going to get this someday? And we're still finding things because my mom lives in the place where she was. And we're still, I found something over Thanksgiving and we laughed about it because it had my name on it. So, but, but at her funeral, right before her funeral, she had a box of notes and it was in all different ink. And it was such a blessing to us because she had planned everything out through the years and it, it, it was years of notes 
notes, but it it completely removed you know um, the burden from us to to have that. And and I know I should probably be starting to do a little bit more myself now that I'm 54. But you know uh, I know it's something we don't want to talk about. But at the same time, I I just know what a gift it is when when there has been some foresight into this very you know the there's the beginning of life, there's the end of life. Those are the two crucial times, and, and this is the one we actually have some say over. Yep, so, yep. <laughs> right. Well, I, it's a great point, Camille. You, what you've got me to do is I'm going to go home. I've got a magic marker. I'm going to put kids' name in the bottom of my golf shoes to make sure that the right people get the right <laughs> there thing. There we go. But, uh, that, that's a great story. Great story. Well, and then you know the kids will know who you're mad at because you put the names up. <laughs> That's right. Well, that's a great point. I have some other things I want to make sure that uh, my sons get, whether they like it or not. Before we well, end our time, oh, I just wanted to make sure, yeah, if you had any any other major points you wanted to bring out in the last couple minutes. Um, well, regarding the tape, our, so in South Dakota, I think in many states, you can create a list um, and, you know, you, you write the item, you write to who it goes to, you sign it, you date it, then that list could be valid when coupled with your will. So I'm going to highly recommend to all of our listeners, do not tape things on your items, but instead write a list and then sign and date it. Um, But, you know, that's, uh, yeah, definitely talk to your attorney about how to do that best. But just a thought that maybe tape isn't isn't the best option. Um, oh, she used sharper, Sharpie, black Sharpie was what she used, actually. But right, That's great. That's a great story. <laughs> it's a, it is a great story and a good option, just uh, not a legally sound one. Right, so, right. Just... <laughs> it's funny because her dad was a lawyer and then a judge, but I don't know. Anyway, um, Cameo, how, how can people get a hold of you if they have questions? Because obviously we couldn't answer everything here, but you, you were open to that. Where, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, my... Cell phone is. Um, I can just. I can give you a couple phone numbers, and then I can say uh, texting or emailing is going to work best. So maybe I'll give my cell phone, and then if anyone wants to just have a conversation, please text me your info, and I'd be happy to get back to you and point you in the right direction. Um, so my cell phone is 605-366-2447. That's six zero five three six six. Or shoot me an email at C Anders, that's C as in cat, Anders, at CCF, that's cat, cat, Frank, ESD, um, for the Catholic Community Foundation of Eastern South Dakota. All right. Thank you. We'll put that on our Facebook page, too.